end for you guys. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we just thank you for this time of we've been able to worship already in song. And right now we want to worship you through the word. We want to worship you with our attention. Father, we just set aside all of our other thoughts and we, we just let them fade to the side. And God, we just say we want to hear from you and your word today. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you bring revelation knowledge to us, that you show us your intentions and what you meant when you wrote it down in the word. And so we, we just thank you, Father, for that, and we give you honor in this place. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, if you want to, again, you can turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 23, and we're going to jump off from where we've been for the last few weeks. This is kind of a series that has uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Normally, I, I plan uh, months in advance, you know, like the where we're going in the different arcs. And we were in the midst of our character and nature of God series. And I just felt that we needed to take a break and do this one out of Joshua chapter 23. And there's been so many different areas that God has taken us down as we've gone through there. And so why don't we go back again to verse number one where it says, Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all of their enemies around, and that Joshua was old and he was advanced in age. And so last week we were talking about time, we were talking about effort, and we were talking about growth or change. And here with the nation of Israel, we, we told you that how time impacts you depends on what you couple it with. Time and sorrow doesn't make a strong person, right? It wears them down. The Bible says, though sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. We're not to go from sorrow to sorrow throughout our life. We're to go from joy to joy, from glory to glory. That his joy is what sustains us. It says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Or it becomes our stronghold. The word for strength in the, there used in the Old Testament is stronghold. It means castle walls. The joy of the Lord is supposed to be what the pressures of life crash against. And when we don't allow the joy of the Lord to fill us on a daily basis, the word world crashes against us instead of the walls that were supposed to be put up to protect us. And often we put up walls that keep God away from us rather than the world away from us. No, we put up his walls of joy so that the world doesn't crash against our hearts. And so depending on what you couple time with, it will determine how it impacts you. And so the nation of Israel here had coupled time with rest. And on the surface, that sounds like a good thing. Rest is a good thing when rest is needed. Too much rest is not a good thing. Too much rest makes lazy people. Too much rest makes out of shape people. Too much rest keeps people sitting on the sidelines when they should be in the game. And so for the nation of Israel, it was not their time to be at extended rest. They still had a job to do. They hadn't finished the mission. They hadn't conquered all the land. They just took care of the biggest problems. And I think we can all relate to that. The thing that screams the loudest in our life, we address it. But the things that actually will hurt us long term, because they're not so much of a problem right now, we let them stay. And it's just like a cut. If you allow it to stay and fester and you don't clean it and prep it and give it an environment to heal in, it becomes infected. 
and infections, if you leave them, they, they move to your bloodstream. And what happens? Sepsis. And when you got sepsis, your organs start to shut down. And then from there, you die. And so something that was little and really wasn't that much of an issue at the beginning, if you let it stay, will continue down the road. And it's just like if we look at the Garden of Eden, what did God say to Adam and Eve in the day you'll eat of the fruit? You will die. And what do we see? They ate the fruit. And what happened? They didn't die physically. But on that day, sin entered into the world. And what did sin, sin bring with it? Sickness. Sickness is sin at work trying to kill you. And that's why Jesus took all sickness upon his back. And he bore all sin and shame so that you could have life and you could have life more abundantly. Okay, we're getting a little bit off track this morning. But the nation of Israel had a couple long time of rest together. Time and rest together. And it was not valuable to them. And I said last week, there's such thing as self-care. And self-care is a good thing. Too much self-care turns into selfishness. Come on, as the body of Christ, we have a job to do. Oh, come he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We don't do that while sitting on the sidelines. There's a, there's a really important aspect of that verse, which was, go. And so if we're always here and not there, what needs to be done there doesn't get done here. Come on. There's a mission to be done. And so too much rest is a bad thing. And so what should they have coupled time with? Faith. Hebrews chapter 4, which is a book, it's a chapter about rest. Be diligent to enter into the rest of God. He says, that's what he says in verse 1, but in verse 2 he says, But indeed, come on, turn, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as, to, as well as to them, but the word which they heard didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. And so the writer of Hebrews says that there's two people. we got two people here. One mixes it with faith, and one doesn't mix it with faith. It helps and works in one. It doesn't help and work in another. Why? Because faith was the ingredient that needed to be mixed in. And so the nation of Israel, just so you know, it's been 28 years at this point in Joshua chapter 23 since they entered the promised land. And so we have an exciting first few years where there's a lot of progress, and then we have about 15 to 18 years where it's just kind of like, Nothing was happening. In that time, they should have been mixing the promise with faith. They should have been rehearsing, God has given us all this land. This land is for my, my people and my descendants after me. As far as as many generations of my family they'll be, this is their land. It's not the land of the people that may occupy it right now. We're going to see it through to the end. And what God has promised, it's going to come to pass. They should have been mixing the promise with faith. And maybe you're in a season right now where it seems like time has been against you. Go ahead and push everything else out and begin to mix it with faith. My God always comes through for me. I'm coming out the other side better than when I went into this situation. And what it doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural, I shall overcome because my God is already my victory. And so I cling to him. And we begin to mix the promise with faith. And faith is expressed in your words. Jesus said, have faith in God. 
And then he said, if any man shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes the things in which he says, he shall have whatever he says. And Brother Hagin was always nice to point out that in that verse, it only says believe once, but it says say three times. And sometimes it's going to take three times as much saying as believing because sometimes you've got to convince yourself. You've got to remind yourself of the promise. God hasn't forgotten, but we often have. Hallelujah. So it should have been mixed with faith. And Peter goes on in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, and he says this, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And so if you're going to add something to time, let it be faith, and add virtue to faith, and add to virtue, add knowledge. And to knowledge, add self-control. And to self-control, add perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. And so uh, you start with one, and then you get a, add the next one. And you keep working on it. And as we said last week, when we go ahead and we give the effort that's needed, you do what needs to be done. When you choose to do what God has told you to do, you'll walk in victory. You'll walk in the blessing if you do what he's asked you to do. And so you add one to the next, and you just keep going, and you keep going, and you follow the, tra tra the trail all the way down to verse 8, which says, For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. We were not called to be fruitless. We were not called to be barren. We were called to thrive. Jesus said that you would bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. That happens when we stand in the blessings and we stand on the faithfulness of God and we stand in his promise and we put it on our lips and we speak it. Amen? And so it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua was old and he was advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel for their elders and for their heads and for the judges and for their officers and he said to them, I'm old. I'm advanced in age. But he says this, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. And he begins to stir them up first as he's got, I've only got a few more words that I can say to them and then I'm going home. I'm doing what Moses did before me and I'm leaving this earth and I'm going to be with God. And he said, what he wanted to remind them was, is there a, what was just happened in the generation that they're in. You entered the promised land and you saw victory. It's important to remind yourself of the good things God has done in your life. It's good to, to hear what God has done in past generations, but I know he's been good for you. Come on. And if you can't think of a blessing, you woke up this morning. You went, oh, that breath was a blessing. That food you put in your belly this morning was a blessing. You can find something to be grateful for. Go ahead and rehearse your blessings. Rehearse the goodness of God that he's been in your life. It's one thing to remember what he's done for someone else. It's a lot more personal when you remember what he's done for you and be grateful for that. And so Joshua begins to remind them of what has happened in their lifetime. God has fought for you. And he says, see... 
I've divided you the nations by lot, the nations that remain, to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan and with all the nations as far as I've cut off, as far as the great sea westward. So he says, there's still a job to be done. You guys got to do it. You know what needs to be done. And he says, then the Lord your God will expel them before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land as the Lord your God has promised you. Hallelujah. And he says this in verse 6. Therefore, be courageous. Be courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left hand. Be courageous to do what the word says. And I, I, I want to emphasize the week number one we talked about it, but I want to emphasize it again. It does not take courage to walk away from God. It takes courage to stay the course. I was watching a video just this week about someone talking about how they grew up in church and, you know, oh, it just wasn't for me. I, I had to leave, you know. God just wanted too much of us. And the person that was interviewed said, oh, you're so brave. No, it's not bravery. It's easy to walk away. It takes courage to walk through what God has told you. It takes courage to cling to his world, word when the world is walking away and saying everything, oh, that's a lie. God will never do that. Oh, God doesn't exist, yada, yada, yada. That doesn't take courage. It takes courage to say, no, my God is good God. My God will come through for me. Just as he said it is, that's how it will be. And so he says to them, be very courageous and keep to do what's written. Do what you know. Be courageous. And you could think that those are just simple words that Joshua say, saying to stir them up in, the more, in that moment to remind them as he's about to die, you got to do this, guys. But this is actually a parallel of what happened in two other stories in Joshua's life. If we were to look at the call of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, it starts off with Moses is dead. And that was a moment for the, the nation could have collapsed right there. But God said to Joshua, Joshua, he's dead. Get up and take the promised land. And he says to Joshua in verse 6, Be strong and of good courage. For to you and to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And so what Joshua is doing in chapter 23 is a parallel of what God had told him to do in chapter 1. And when God has said it, he meant it. He didn't change his mind in the middle. And so Joshua is saying, just as he said back then, it's still true. He still wants you to take the land. He still wants you to walk in your inheritance. Be strong and be of good courage. He says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all of the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn away to the right hand or to the left. Isn't those the exact same words that jo Joshua just told the people? Because that was what was told him. And what's good for one is good for another. Hallelujah. That's something that we got to get out of our system. 
Oh, well, that's, that's what God's wanting for them. Maybe he's got something different for me. No, his blessings are his blessings. And he loves you as his child. He loves you as his child. He loves you as his child. He loves us all the same. He's not a respecter of person. If he's going to heal one, he'll heal another. Because he prepared and he paid for it all on his back. Hallelujah. And so he said, be courageous. Be strong and courageous. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. That you may prosper wherever you go. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You want to find prosperity? You want to find success in this world? Don't find it in the world. Find it in God. Because he knows what's going to happen before you do. Before they do. He knows where the markets are going. He knows when they're going up and down. And he knows where to position you, where you need to be, where you need to be working, what you need to be investing in, what you, where you need to be living. He knows even if you don't. And the world may say they know what's going to happen. They don't. But he says, when you stick to the word and you believe my promise and you're strong and courageous, you can prosper and have good success. You know, Brother Hagen talked about a friend of his who had never, ever lost on an investment that he ever made. And Brother Hagen's like, I couldn't even say that. He's like, I've invested in things that went kaput and lost all my money. He's like, but this guy that I knew never lost on any investment that he made. And the reason why it was, whenever an someone would come with an opportunity, he, even if he felt good about it or if he felt bad about it, he said, give me three days. I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God what I should do about it. And he said there were many times where things that he looked at were like, oh, that sounds good. He'd pray about it and God would say, no, don't do it. He said there were other times where there were things that people brought to me. He's like, oh, why would I ever invest in that? that when he, after praying about it, God said, yeah, do it. And he never lost out. It's almost like God knows what he's doing. <laughs> he knows how to prosper us. He knows what we need to be working on when we need to be doing it. That's where rest comes in. We rest in God. We don't have to worry about what should I do. We listen to what he says we should do. And the path he tells us to walk. So you say, Pastor Jordan, but it seems like there's obstacles in my way and there's a wall in front of me he's told me to go this way but everybody else is telling me I can't well line your words with him you told me to do it God and I'm going to do it doors open before me and so he says that and then verse 9 he goes this have I not commanded you be strong and be of good courage. I love that. It's like he's already said it twice to him in this, this passage in chapter 1. And then he, he stirs him up about, you know, God, I'll prosper you and I'll give you success. He's like, oh, wait, did, did I tell you to be strong and be of good courage? <laughs> God's got a sense of humor. He says, don't be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you and so that's where Joshua started. Joshua chapter 1. God reminded him of the, the promise that he had given before Joshua even existed. You go back to Abraham, and he said to Abraham, lift up your eyes. Look all as far as you can see this way. 
look as far as you can see this way, it's all yours. That's like 400 years before Joshua even lived. God hadn't forgotten the promise. And so he says, I'll be with you wherever you go. So let's go to Joshua chapter 24 now. And this is what Joshua says after he's walked it out for 28 years. He went in and he took those walled cities. He pushed out those strong nations. He did what God had told him to do. And this is what God said to him. This is God speaking to Joshua at the end of his life. I have given you land for which you didn't have to labor. And cities for which you didn't even have to build. And you dwell in them, and you eat of the vineyards, and of the olive groves, which you did not even plant. That's the goodness of God. You'll set off down one direction, doing what he told you to do, and they'll be like, God, it seems like I'm having to work really hard, and I'm, I'm going in this direction. What? And then all of a sudden, God will just be like, here, you didn't even have to work for that one. That's the grace of God. And so God says that to Joshua, and then he says this. Or this is Joshua saying to the people now. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Doesn't even be afraid of God. He's saying, stand in awe and reverence of God. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away, everyone say put away. Put away away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in, in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And you can say, well, Pastor Jordan, how does that apply to us today? I don't, I don't serve Baal. I don't serve Moloch. I don't serve any of these other gods. I don't serve Ra. No, but in our society, we serve a lot of different gods that come by a lot of different names. And there are things that will pop up in your life will be nothing but a distraction and a God for you to serve to take you away from what God has called you to. Be where he's asked you to be. Serve him for the days, all the days of your life. Don't turn away to other things. Man, you have no idea what it's like as a pastor to hold someone's hand on their deathbed and say to you, I wish I didn't put my kids in hockey because they love sports, but they hate God. It became a God for them. Come on, there was a time when their stores weren't even open on Sundays because that was the day of worship. I'm not saying they shouldn't, be, they shouldn't, shouldn't always be closed or whatever. I'm saying you get to choose which God you serve. The world can do what they want. You get to choose which God you serve. You get to choose which God you give your time to. Come on. Because there's going to be an infinite amount of different things that will bide for your time. Which God will you serve? Who do you give your time? I'm not talking about on Sundays. I'm talking about who do you give your time on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and of course Sundays. Which God do you choose to serve with your time and your life and your attention? And he says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, if this is too hard for you, then choose somebody else to serve. And that's the freedom that God gives us. You don't have to, you get to. He says, if you don't want to do it, if God seems too hard for you, choose somebody else. I'd say be careful in who you choose. <laughs> choose God. I like what, what it was said in Deuteronomy. Pastor Robin quoted it two weeks ago. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You therefore choose life. 
Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites or whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a man on his last day. Whew. He's making this declaration over his family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But you know, in this generation, Joshua and Caleb were a different breed. They were different than the rest of the people that were amongst the nation of Israel. They stood when everybody else folded up like a house of cards. They said, no, I'm going to choose to believe what God has said over what everybody else has said. And so let's take a look a little bit at Joshua's friend Caleb this morning. You ready for that? Got a few minutes to spend in that? We find the first time we run into Caleb is in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. And it says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a leader among them. And so they pulled 12 guys, one from each tribe, and out of the tribe of Ephraim, they pulled Joshua, and out of the tribe of Judah, they pulled Caleb. A bunch of other guys who we forget their names because everybody forgets the failures, right? We only remember the successes, and the only people worth remembering in that generation was Joshua and Caleb. But here's something we need to know about Caleb, is that Caleb was only a half-Jew. And so for him to even be considered a leader among the people shows just how remarkable of a person he was. He was the son of Jephunneh, who was a Kenzanite. And they did not descend from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They came from Jacob's brother Esau and his son Canaz. And so where did he come from in this whole mess of people? You know, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, was also a Kenzanite. So I'm assuming uh, Caleb's father came along when he came in. And so he's not a full Jew, but he married someone from the tribe of Judah. And even being a half-Jew, when he was born, they didn't have nice things to say about him. You want to know how I know that? Do you know what Caleb means? Dog. That's what the Jews called Gentile people. They called them dogs. And so Caleb, though he's now a leader of the people, that's not how his life began. And I love that because it doesn't matter where you're from or what's going on in your life. God can make a shining example out of you. He can bless you when everybody else is cursing you because it matters more what you say and what he says than everybody else. And so he starts his, name, his life out being called Dog. How would you like somebody calling you that? Well, you know, what arose from that, though, is a secondary definition of Caleb. And that is faithful, wholehearted, bold, brave, and ruthless. And that describes Caleb. He wholeheartedly served his God. He was faithful to whatever God said. He was bold and brave. And let me tell you, the enemy thought he was ruthless. Why? Because when he was old, he stood up and he said, give me the mountain. I may be 85, but I'm going to go ahead and fight uphill. And guess what? That's where the, the giants live. I'd rather fight the giants because I know my God is with me. And he pushed every giant out of the hill country of Hebron in his 80s. I think they thought he was pretty ruthless. But God thought he was pretty faithful. God thought he was wholeheartedly serving him. That he was bold when everybody else was saying we can't. Caleb was saying we can. 
And so they send those 12 spies out, and of course Joshua and Caleb come back with a good report, and the other 10 say, we can't do it. And in the midst of the commotion, as everybody's now falling into fear, saying, what are we going to do? We should go back to Egypt. It says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. Let's take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And so all of the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. The people wept that night. On a day that should have been a day of celebration. You know, we don't get a lot of references to Caleb in the Bible. But in Jewish uh, literature, we see a few more glimpses of things that they had heard in their, and being passed down in their oral traditions. And one was that when Caleb went in to spy out the land, the first place he went was he went and found the grave of Abraham and Isaac. And he worshipped at their grave, saying, this is the land that we'll take. And then after he had honored his ancestors and the promise that had been placed over them, he went and he found the best of the produce. And he was the one that dragged back those great grapes to show the people just how good the land was. Because he knew they needed to see it. And it says, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in this wilderness. They complained against Moses and Aaron. They complained. That's very important in this scripture. They complained because you get to choose what you align your mouth with. Come on. What you say is very important. What you come into agreement with with your words is very important. You want to know how important? The word there that we should have died in this wilderness is the word midbar. And it means wilderness. Do you know where wilderness comes from? Midbar? It comes from devar, which means to speak. The way in and out of your wilderness is in your mouth. And so we are aligning ourselves too much with what the world is saying. Come on, so much of the body of Christ's days talks just like the world. They say the same things they do. Oh, it's looking pretty dark out there. Man, things are getting pretty bad. Oh, the economy's going to fail. People are getting sick. COVID is everywhere. Come on, they're aligning their voices to let themselves die in the wilderness. I don't plan on dying in no wilderness. I plan on dying in the promise when my time has been fulfilled. I don't plan on dying sick. I plan on dying and just letting my hand, my spirit just drift off into the arms of a loving God who's waiting there to receive each and every one of us. Come on. The way in and out of your wilderness is in your voice, is in your mouth. And so if things are looking dark, Go ahead and declare light over them. When things are looking bad, go ahead and speak the goodness of God over them. 
And so he said, if only we had died in this wilderness. It's kind of the equivalent of Elijah saying right now, God, just kill me. I'm done. I'm done. They're in the wilderness right now. And they're not expecting to get out of it. They said, why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword and that our wives should be and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And so they said to one another, let us select a new leader and let us return to Egypt. And so Moses and Aaron, they fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. They got on their face and Moses and Aaron began to talk to God. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, they tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. It's a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Come on. He's saying, guys, this is not the right way to go. Don't turn against God. Turn against everything else. If you're going to turn against something, let it be the things of the world. If you're going to turn to something, turn to the Lord in all situations. For every time you turn to him, he's there to meet you. It doesn't matter if you've run a thousand steps the other way. As soon as you take your one this way, he's there. You can't get away from him. He said, don't rebel against the Lord and don't fear the people. They are our bread. Oh, I love that. Man, we're going to eat them up is what Caleb was saying. We're going to have them for lunch. This is not a problem for us, guys. This is an easy thing. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Come on. Don't fear what men shall do to me. I know who my God is. I know in whom I will serve. And just like Joshua said, choose this day who you'll serve. I'm going to serve the Lord. And so the people, they just keep going worse and worse and worse. And they're trying to get out of there. And God says to Moses, he says, Moses, I think I can start again with you and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. We can forget about the rest of them. Let's just let them go. We'll start again with you. And Moses says to God, he says, God, you've forgiven us so many times to this point. Please pardon their iniquities once more. And God says to Moses, sure, because you've asked me to, I will forgive them. Well, that's the goodness of God. These are a people that just turned their back on him. And Moses said, please forgive them, God. And he says, because you asked, I totally will. Whew, that's a good God. That's a good God. But they had also said a bunch of stuff. That was what Moses said. God, please forgive them. And Moses and God said, yes. But here's what they said. It's better if we die in the wilderness. And so God says, say to them, tell them this. As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I'll do to you. Why? Because Proverbs says that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit of it. They'd set their course. They'd set their destiny. They could have taken any moment, just like Joshua and Caleb, and aligned themselves with them. And God would have been like, sure, yes. But they didn't. They aligned themselves with death and cursing. And he said, because you've spoken it, I have to do it. He says, the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. Of all you who were numbered according to the entire number from 20 years old and above. He had to start again with a new generation. 
a new generation that was trained by Joshua and Caleb. Man, God is wanting to raise up a new generation of people. And he says, except for Joshua, the, uh, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore that I would make you dwell in. But I love this verse. This is just a, almost like a throwaway verse for most. But he says this in verse 31. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I'm going to bring them in. Woo! I love that he doesn't pass the sins of the fathers down to the, sins, to, to the children. God is a good God. You know who likes to ta tag things from fathers to sons to grandchildren? The enemy. He wants to see the curse go from generation to generation. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not how it's going to be. The little ones whom you said would be victims, I'm bringing them in. And they shall know the land which you have despised. Hallelujah. Come on. There's a young generation that's rising up, and they're not going to have what the world's having. They want the things of God, and they're going to have them. Because it doesn't matter if their parents and their grandparents have turned away. They want God. Come on. And I love what God says about Caleb. He says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him. In him... And he has followed me fully, wholeheartedly. I'll bring him into the land where he went, and to his descendants shall inherit it. God is calling forth a new breed in this hour. He's wanting to shake through the church and burn off the chaff and have those who are willing to stand in this day stand up strong. The Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And, but it says that when you're anchored on the word and on God, you cannot be shaken. Come on, you're a city on a hill which cannot be hid. He's raising up a new breed. And I love this, uh, this prophecy from Brother Hagen from back in February of 1975. It was at a prayer conference that they were having in the spring. And he stood up and he said, The word of the Lord has come unto me further, saying, Prophesy to this people and say to them, Like a mighty army, like a mighty army, like the tramping of a mighty army, the forces of evil are tramping down the road to Armageddon. Yes, like a mighty army gathering force as it goes, joined on one hand by these people and on the other hand by other people, the army of the enemy is marching on, marching on though they know not where they're going, marching on for they march in spiritual darkness and there's no light in the tenement of their dwelling, even in, the, in their spirits, for their spirits lie in darkness and they are under control of the wicked one. That's a little bit of a bleak way to start. But that's exactly how the world is. They're following after darkness and they're running towards things that lead them to destruction and they don't even seem to care because they're not able to see. But that's not you. It says, be not fearful of the tramping, of the tramping of the armies of the wicked. Be not fearful of the sound of war. Be not fearful of anything that the eye can see or the hand can feel or that which is brought to you through the ear gate of this evil world. But look you into the word. Come on. Is it a better place to look? Look into the word. What did he say? Be very courageous to keep the word, what he has said to you. Because it is true. It is freedom. It is liberty. He says, yes, under the perfect law of liberty, and know this, that the Lord has an army. Yes, he's preparing his own. 
No, the church will not grow weaker and weaker and weaker and lie down and expire, but she shall grow stronger and stronger and stronger for a fresh visitation of heaven is at hand. Yes, a new revelation of truth shall burst forth in all of its glory and those who are called by his name. God, we say yes, it shall be. We align ourselves with your words. We bring ourselves into agreement with what you have said. It shall be good for the church on this earth. And they shall realize that in their grasp, in their hand, all the while was the mighty name that is above every name. And they shall with that name upon their lips and with faith in their hearts will speak forth unto the enemy and say, Thus far you shall go and no further. And he shall desist in his maneuvers and stop in his operations. He has to listen to you because you have been given authority from Almighty God. He has delegated it to you. And we spent a month on that earlier in this year that you have been given authority from Almighty God. When you put your foot down and say, not in my life, not in my house, that shall not come near my dwelling, the enemy has to obey because he's a defeated foe and you are a victor with Jesus on your lips. Hallelujah. And the hand of the enemy shall be stayed and the harvest that is to be reaped shall be reaped. For the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. Pray you to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. Come on, guys, you are those laborers. Come on, we got to stop looking for other people to stand up and do the work. He's called us to get up from rest and do the work. Come on, pray for others, but do it yourself. And so men, yes, if you would please, some would call them a new breed, shall rise up and go forth. They shall not be afraid of the devil. They shall have no fear of men, but with boldness they shall speak and shall challenge the very strongholds of the devil. And there shall be a great shaking. But those who are settled on the rock of ages shall stand and shall shout above the storm and see above the darkness the mighty God, might of God breaking on the horizon of time. And they shall be reflectors of that light and they shall shine forth into darkness. And the blinded eyes of Satan's kin shall be opened by men. Men inspired of God, equipped by the Spirit, called by the Lord, and set in the body of Christ to shine, to testify, to preach, and to minister. And so, like a giant, that body shall rise. It shall shake off those things which would hinder and break asunder the bonds of tradition and religion that has them bound. And go forth with pure revelation of truth that will cause the lame to leave for joy and the blind to see both spiritually and physically and there shall sound throughout the land the cry and the hue of Hosanna to the Lord hallelujah great is his name and greatly to be praised wasn't that what we were singing this morning great are you Lord yes father you are great and the last souls shall have been won, and the last spirit shall have been saved, and the body shall have been completed, and then the cry shall come forth, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out and meet him. And in the ages to come, eons upon eons, the body of believers shall show forth 
his glory and his majesty forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, that was from 1975, but he was looking to the end. He was looking to that season in which God was just on the horizon saying, I'm coming back quickly. I'm coming back quickly. Is my body going to be ready? Is the bride going to be prepared for that season? He said, behold, I'm coming back quickly. Isn't that how the end of the book ends? He says, behold, I'm coming back quickly. And he who believes it, he who agrees with it says, yes, even so, Lord, come quickly. Hallelujah. And so God is calling forth a new breed in this hour. And he's looking for anyone who's willing to step up to the plate, who's willing to stand in faith, mix time with faith, and put it on their words, and put it in their hearts, and speak the promises of God above all else. Come on, let's get on our feet. Father, we worship you. Oh, we praise your holy name, Lord. We thank you, Father, that of this new breed, I thank you, Father, we shall be a part. That what you have spoken in your word, it is true for us. And what you've spoken of the end, I thank you, Lord, that as others shout, it's so dark, it's so dark, it's so dark. Oh, no, I say my God is on the horizon. Light is breaking over the hills. I see the glory of the Lord rising. I see the glory of the Lord rising. I thank you, Father, that it shall sweep across this world from sea to shining sea. I thank you, Lord, that it will go coast to coast across this great nation of Canada. We thank you for the glory of the Lord that is rising upon us. We thank you, Lord, that it shall envelop the earth as waters cover the sea. Oh, God, we thank you that your glory is rising upon this earth. Yes, Lord. For that which you've been prepared for this season, I thank you, Lord, it's being released upon your churches around this world in Jesus' name. Rise up, rise up, rise up. Rise up, rise up and run. Rise up, rise up and run. Yes, yes, he's calling to his body. Rise up, rise up and run. Oh, rise up, rise up and run. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus, we worship you. Oh, we give you glory, Lord. Oh, yes, God, we worship you. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, that we would be wholehearted and fully relying on you. That we would be bold and brave and faithful just as Caleb and Joshua were in a generation where everyone else was saying it can't be done. It won't be that way. No, 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 no. We align ourselves with you, O Lord, and it shall be as you have said. O Lord, we agree with you. We agree with you, O Lord. Yes, hallelujah. Yes. Great. Great Lord, great 
circumstance, Lord. Yes, great are you, Lord. You're greater than any sickness, any disease, Lord. Yes, oh, great are you, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord, you're greater than unemployment. You have a place for us. You have a job and a commission, Lord, for us in every season, Lord, that we'll be busy doing your work. We'll be doing whatever you've called us to. There's always opportunities before us in every season that we are, Lord. Oh, great are you, Lord. Yes, oh, great. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And just as in Joshua's day, as he said before the people, you choose who you're going to serve. And if you're going to serve the Lord, serve him wholehearted. Serve him fully in all things. Give him your best, give him your time. And man, as we keep ourselves bold and courageous before him, oh, I thank you, Lord, that we walk in prosperity. We walk in success. Because where you guide God, you always provide. Hallelujah. Where you guide, you always provide, Lord. We thank you, Lord. There's a full provision for those who take up the cause that you have called them to, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, in just a moment, our, our word care team is going to be up at the front here. They would love to pray with you, believe with you, agree with you. Whatever it is you're going through, get in gr agreement with someone who can stand in faith. If you don't feel like you can stand, find somebody who can stand with you, who can lift you up and agree with you and see it turn before your eyes. Hallelujah. Pastor Robin. You may be seated. You know, I get up here and I say, you know, it's offering time. And, uh, but it's always offering time. Amen? Not just offering your, of your you know, tithes and offerings, but your, your, your service, your, your uh, ministry, and so on. And that's always, there's always the same, always time for that. Amen? It's always that time. Amen. I want to look at um, 3 John 2 here. Um, and it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, the um, as your soul prospers there is the key verse here, key portion of that verse, because it's as, that's your mind, will, and emotions. And so basically, this is just an attitude. Attitude in giving, attitude in serving, attitude, and you know, so it's, it's, to, it's to train your, your soul or to make your soul, soul prosperous. And the way you do that is if you still got the scripture, can I have uh, Joshua 1.8? This is what he was told. The book, the, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And this is how you train and prosper your soul is in the word. Amen? This is right thinking. You need the God thinking on these things, and this right thinking is coming from meditating on this word 
and making your soul prosperous in that. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if you uh, uh, several ways to give, you can give that way. You can give in an envelope, and God bless you. Amen? <laughs>